Oh. Hello, and welcome to an episode of The Loose Cannon Show, another episode of The Loose Cannon Show. It feels like forever since we've been back, because it kind of has been. (laughs) (laughs) Is this one thing after another, trying to (laughs) have this show good? You know, uh, as I was getting ready and everything, I I was moving my mic over and I was like, oh, let me adjust it a little bit, put it a little lower so it's like a a little better to uh, where I'm sitting. And uh, you can kind of notice if you're watching the video, there's this little, little uh, lock turn bit wing nut here, right here. And uh, (laughs) that is the only thing keeping the mic angled like this and not being yanked down by gravity. And when I adjusted my mic, it went, and I had my headphones in, and all the sound that were previously coming into my headphones cut out. And I was like, did I just break my mic a minute before the show started? <laughs> it's like, again, another another thing happened that we had to be like, I'm sorry. I know we just said we were going to have a show, but we can't have a show this week because another, another thing happened. <laughs> Stop touching it. Yeah, I just, it is. It has been. It has been a month. <laughs> this, <laughs> this past this past month, off to a great start on this year. Uh, how have uh, how have your weeks been uh, right now? Pretty good. Um, been a little busy. Been <clears throat> busy at work mostly. So I had a ton of time to play Destiny, but. Mm. Um, I get to absorb the lore on my downtime in between, so it's kind of nice. I've been able to catch up a little bit on the reading. That's good. I I always take uh, the end of the season off. Yeah. Hmm. So you pretty much get everything done, and then about the last week or so, you're just not really in it? I mean, like, the last month. Oh wow! Because <laughs> I I feel like that that keeps the game uh, healthy and fresh for me. I I go hard on those first two months. I'm like in it every day yeah. after work for hours, doing everything, and then it's like that last month. I'm just like, all right, let's you know, let's uh, check out some other games. Like I've been playing Spider Man. I uh, played Bug Snacks. Uh, Spider Man Miles Morales. Played a little bit of God of War. Just and then when. When next season comes in uh, three days, I'm so excited for it. I'm like, oh my god, this is a new game to me again. It's a, a whole new experience, and it, it just—it's so fun to experience it fresh like that. So yeah, I, I really suggest I everyone do that. Everyone, everyone, just yeah. take you know, two weeks, three weeks at the end of the season. Just get everything done that you wanted to get done, and then just relax. You know, find yeah. find something else that you can uh, occupy your time with. See, I don't have time to play as much, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm the I'm the filthy casual that everybody's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard for me to get most of the challenges done. So when I when I play, it's spread out the entire season. Yeah. <laughs> and see that's that's the other way that you could do it. You could spread it out so you're never really over over exposing yourself to destiny because you you play it yeah yeah oh and it and and it's still frustrating but the bad like i've said this before so the bad thing about that is for for casuals versus Mm -hmm. diehards the the pro and con so the the pro for 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 diehards is they they get all the content done uh and they get up to you know a light level that's really 
<clears throat> nice and big and they're strong and they get to just, you know, curb stomp all the enemies in the game. And, and it's a lot of fun because you've got the cool gear you've got and everything. But the bat, the con to that for the diehard is you run out of content. Yeah. And so now it's just like crickets until the next season. And you're just frustrated because you don't want to do anything. You're just mm-hmm. like, well, what's the point? But for casuals, it's like always playing on hard mode. <laughs> so you don't yeah. get you don't get your your light level raised. Anytime you go to do anything, you you're getting one shot by the enemies mostly. And even in Crucible, you're just you're grinding or you're you're trying to you're trying to get some weapons that'll actually bring up your light level. Mm-hmm. And Destiny's really just ruthless with some of these light level numbers. Like they'll give you an increment of one, mm-hmm. you know, light increase. And so you run out of materials because when you're a casual, you don't have just this endless supply of the resources you need to, to up your mm-hmm. gear. And so, you know, all those little items are precious to you. So when you want to raise your helmet light level up one point, it's not worth it to you. You'd rather just wait until something drops at like at least five higher, which never happens or it happens once a week. I guess for I would- a casual. I guess I would actually fall more on on the medium core sp- spectrum, like if it's soft core, medium core, hardcore, because I am absolutely uh, currency poor. Like I'm like every day I'm like, oh crap, I need to <laughs> figure out a way to afford these items, and I'm I'm running uh-huh. out of these, and it's it's like it's very tight. So I'm like I don't master work anything. I'm I'm just hoarding it all because I'm like mm-hmm. one day I'll get like an eighty stat armor piece, and I'm like this is the only armor piece I'll ever need for the rest of the year. So I'll just yeah. I'll have it. I'll have it ready for that point, but I've <clears throat> never gotten that point. Yeah, and so that's the other dynamic that you gotta you have to be that's a little annoying is for both. I mean, we're all in the same boat, so h- hardcores and, and casuals are kind of mm-hmm. in the same boat. So I, I get I get what you're saying, because if you're spending all the resources, you don't have them. And if you're not spending them, you're not getting them and you don't have them. So I guess you never really have them. Yeah. So the other the other dynamic is that as soon as you've masterworked your gear and you've saved up a billion whatever you need uh, material to to infuse into that one arm piece or helmet or whatever, and you've got them all masterworked, you've got all your stats where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. You found one specific armor that you're going to stick with. Um, it changes. Yeah. <laughs> So the next season, they just make it all obsolete, or they've changed it in a way to where they've added one more perk to the same armor you already have, and now you got to chase it all over again, or you just have to be like, forget it, I'm sticking with it, and I'm going to suffer the whole season. Well, hopefully, hopefully next season with some of the changes they've made, it's, it becomes more friendly, uh, casual friendly, because I do think that's important. Destiny Two yeah. launched in a super casual focused way, and that did hurt the game for a number of the players obviously it made it more accessible for new players which is important and i think maybe the pendulum can kind of swing back into the middle i hope that it will next season where it's much easier for people who are casual to to climb the levels you know with the challenges with the experience like hopefully like you'll like i never go past 100 on the season pass i might like get like 115 but like usually i by the point that I'm about done with the season, I'm at 100 a little bit past. 
Uh, so hopefully with these new challenges, it makes it a lot easier for someone like me who can just like focus hard on them, like right at the start to hit a hundred faster and then go beyond a hundred and then other people to actually easily hit a hundred without having to stress it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and, and, all the and I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that, you know, everybody should subscribe to FOMO and try to get whatever item is there, you know, even in Eververse, you know, like you mm -hmm. see. I don't have enough bright dust, so I've got to go, you know, dismantle a ton of stuff because I want that one emote, you know, or whatever. So I'm not really saying, I'm not really saying that people should just try to get whatever the carrot is at mm -hmm. each season. You know, it's not, I don't think it's absolutely 100% necessary to do that. But what I am saying is like the core game should at least be uh, vastly accessible to anyone trying to play destiny at any given point uh for the first time and right now if i was to tell if somebody was to say hey i'm gonna start destiny i'd be like good luck <laughs> I'll call me when you're you know frustrated and you need some help because man you know and then they're calling you the next day but it, there's yeah. some there's some things there's some things that are just ridiculously complicated and then there's a lot of things that are super simple so mm -hmm. what what i what i wish destiny would have created years ago when they were going towards this path because it didn't start this way at d1 mm -hmm. what i wish they would have done is somewhere along the lines they should have branched off a fork with a parallel uh path for you know hardcores and then casuals and then i'm not saying casuals get awarded what the hardcores are getting however i'm just saying there should be a linear path that allows um casuals to obtain certain pieces of armor weapons and those be at the base level with enough of an advantage to be at a level playing field with hardcores so now you start as a new character you get a uh, a base set of weapons a base set of armor and all of those things are comparable with some of the top gear mm -hmm. right and they're obtainable from places that are easy to get them from so like you need, you know, you need to go get an auto rifle that can hold up against the best auto rifle in Crucible, where you can go obtain one from the Vanguard. It's not 100% the best weapon in the game, but at least it's 90% comparable to the best one that's in the game. So when you go into Crucible, you're not getting your butt handed to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever the weapon is, whatever the, the armor is, it should be, you know, it should be something. For those people. So that way they're not playing on hard mode the whole dang time. Yeah. Well, or do it like what Outriders is about to do. And you can get, um, you can get two different paths to play. You can either play it on easy mode and then play it on hard mode, but you can only really? play it on hard mode after you put beat. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Huh? That's interesting. I am excited for Outriders, but I'm completely blind to Outriders as well. Like, I know the barest minimum of things about it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, I've been watching a lot of videos on it. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. So we'll see how it goes. Of course, everybody hypes up a game before it comes out and then yeah. just obliterates it when it does. Yeah. But, uh, how about we get to this week's item? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm good. Let's okay. do that. I'm going to put it on the screen. And so there's actually something I noticed about it before you start diving into it. 
uh, I, I had it up here on my other screen and I was just kind of looking at it. Oh, can I? Oh, that doesn't zoom in at all. Um, I noticed these little fins here on the uh, the back of the ship. Those are actually the sights on a Hawkmoon. Like, yeah. Identical to the sights. That's a very slight detail. Like, obviously, it has the the feathers that Hawkmoon has. Mm-hmm. But I just I was just looking at it and I was like, oh shit, those are those are the sights. Yeah, yeah, they totally are. <clears throat> I, you know, <laughs> you still can't rotate ships, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting to see, though. From, from it makes me so frustrated in a game because you can rotate a sparrow and and shoot the thruster, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you can't do it to a ship. And I'm all about staring at these emblems on these <laughs> on these, uh, you know. And if you don't have it, mm-hmm. well. You just gotta wait for somebody that has it to go look at it in the shipyard or whatever. I, I've, I'm the guy that goes down into the shipyard and pushes that button over and over just to see my ship from underneath. Oh, really? And then I keep I keep equipping a new ship just so I can see the ship underneath. Yeah, it is. It is kind of silly that they they show you the ship at this angle, like when <laughs> you're gonna see like when it's actually flying in. It's not like they don't have the model of the reverse of the ship. It's a 3D model. Why can't we right. rotate it? And yeah, that goes it, for everything. Right, like even your gun, you can't rotate those. Yeah, like I want to know what's on the other side. Code. There's got to yeah, be like maybe. some weird code preventing it. Like, it, like from us as a non-developer, we're like, this is the easiest thing to do. Literally, <laughs> just make it rotate, and they're just like, you don't yeah. understand, like how complicated yeah. that is. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I just go, I go onto uh, Gear Viewer and just look at it there yeah, and yeah. try to get. Oh. <laughs> they have it there. Because you can rotate it, you know. Low Lines has done a fantastic job porting Mm -hmm. all the 3D models on his Gear Viewer 2.0. If you haven't seen it, but you can go online and look at that, and you can look at any uh, weapon, whatever armor piece. You can look at them and rotate them around, and and zoom in, and take pictures, and even download it if you want Mm -hmm. to. So I like doing that. It's not 100% accurate to in-game but most mm. of the stuff is there so you can see it that's cool yeah it is pretty cool it's very handy very handy tool yeah so the hawk moon ship um so this one was kind of crazy because the lore is talking about the speaker mm-hmm. right am i correct with that one i i read it when yeah. i first saw it and i if I remember correctly, it was specifically talking about how there would never be another speaker. Right. But it which was is kind about, of funny because everyone's yeah. been saying, fine. Remember, like, what, what was it? Like a year ago, I was saying Crow was going to be the speaker when we were yep. in the season of Dawn. And now here's Crow getting these quests <laughs> with the Traveler. And everyone's like, wait, what if Crow's going to be the speaker? And I'm like, I'm already past right. that. We're on a Mika 10 now. Well, yeah, we're, yeah we're, we're working on something else now, guys. Keep up, <laughs> casuals. Go back and listen to our previous episodes a year ago. <laughs> what was that, punk? <laughs> casuals. All right, so um, this one is called the Radiant Accipiter. <laughs> uh, radiant meaning sending out light. Ah, traveler, right? Uh-huh. Uh, a sipiter is a deadly hawk distinguished by short, broad wings and relatively long legs adapted for fast flight in the woods. A genus of birds of prey. So that's kind of interesting in and of itself because where was um, 
the Hawkmoon Farm. In the EDZ woods, I, uh, I'm guessing you're going? Yeah. 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 So there you go. <laughs> but it, I don't know that that necessarily means anything as for Hawkmoon, you know, because, I mean, a hawk can live pretty much anywhere. There's tons of different hawks, mm-hmm. right? So some people have been coming at me like, okay, well, that means that Hawkmoon is a hawk from the woods. And yeah, I'm like, I, I mean, don't know. I mean, uh, we sure. do actually follow a hawk to the hawk moon, that like hawk of light that yeah. guides you. I was I was actually just doing that mission the other day to get the title, and it dawned on me just how much this game loves birds. Because now we got the pigeon, the phoenix, the crow, and then there's also this hawk. And I guess Lewis, is Lewis a hawk or a falcon? He's a, well, I, you know, I never thought about Is there about a difference that. between a hawk and a falcon, or are those the same? No, he's like in the game, Uma wait, in the game, in the game somewhere it tells us what he is. I, think I just don't falcon. know what he is. Maybe. But there anyway, is a difference. Destiny loves birds. <clears throat> so, accipiters are a genus of birds that, they're in the, they're in the family of accipitae, <laughs> accipitae. Uh, but there are over 51 recognized species, and in its most diverse genus is this family. So most species are called, in this particular family, the accipiter family of birds. Most species are called ghost, or I always say it wrong, goshawks or oh, sparrowhawks. And sparrows? <laughs> Yeah, sparrowhawks. <laughs> Although most all New World species are simply known as hawks. So, I mean, over the years, we just kind of called them all hawks, right? But in, in Europe, this gets really irritating to them because they have, they have um, like over here, in, like I've said before, over here in the U.S., we bastardize a lot of the language. So we just look up in the sky when, you know, the settlers were here and they see something flying and they think it's a hawk. So they just call it a hawk. You know, like the turkey vulture. They thought that was a hawk when they first saw it for years until they finally realized, holy crap, that's a totally different bird. Anyway, um, 47 species of accipiters have been identified worldwide with three species of accipiters in North America. <clears throat> so the mm-hmm. smallest is the sharp-shinned hawk. It's kind of a, a small bird about the size of a robin. A medium-sized accipiter hawk is called the cooper's hawk. It's the size of a crow. Mm-hmm. which i thought was funny and then the largest is the northern uh goshawk i'm gonna get flamed for this and it has a four foot wing wingspan i think that's uh, a where, I where i live do you i think i have so. a i have a ton of the cooper's hawks around here yeah. if so i'm not mistaken i don't really know birds i don't i have not practiced bird law in many years uh but it might it might be the the big one Huh. Well, you know, it's funny you say this because my house is like a magnet for certain birds and they all come out here at different times of the year. So like right now, I have tons of these red robins, these red breasted robins, mm-hmm. and they love to just line up like soldiers in my half acre part of my lot. Mm-hmm. And they'll just sit there in the afternoon, like every day, like clockwork, they'll all be there around three o'clock, just chilling out. And I, I guess that, you know, there's something they would like to eat, but there's tons of them. And then um, like three months ago, it was all of these grackle type birds, you know, that we, we get here in Texas. They're like, they look like crows, but they're small. Mm-hmm. And then bef- 
or that are tons of these um oh i forget the name of them but they they're like a family of the starling and they come in like swarms and it's really cool i've got a video somewhere i'll share it one day but they come in swarms and they look like schools of fish flying in the sky and they make these huge patterns of just like blackness just it's really cool i've got a video of one and where i came home one day and i was like holy crap this is the end of the world (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's exactly how i would feel if i saw swarms of birds (laughs) it's happening but it happens every single year and it was about it was about two months ago and Mm -hmm. every year it's like in uh you know december ish uh, they all come around here and they just do that little dance in the sky for like a week straight. You'll see them every day. It's crazy. That is crazy. And then they'll then they'll sit down on you know then they'll all just park it on people's houses and you'll look at the top of someone's roof and it'll be completely black with like a thousand birds. Anyway, they're not really annoying. They're they're kind of cool looking, so mm-hmm. that's a good thing. But anyway, exhibitors. So. <laughs> Um, their exhibitors are classified as true hawk uh, characterized by long tails and rounded wings which have evolved for catching prey in forested areas so they're built for fast acceleration quick turns and they can stop quickly their short round wings allow for fast acceleration and aid in dodging and going in between trees and branches the long tails add in braking and are for making hairpin turns Occipiters are adapted for hunting and nestling in forested areas. However, they can be found nesting in open country or even isolated trees. They're often seen hunting in open areas several miles away from their nests during the breeding season, and they routinely hunt as they migrate. Sharpies, or coops, and goshawks are the most commonly witnessed in migration. Uh, North American occipiters prey on a various on various birds and animals. Sharp-shinned hawks prey on small birds, and Cooper's hawks prey on small mammals, lizards, and medium-sized birds. So the Cooper's hawks are, you know, they they'll get like rats and stuff and and squirrels. <clears throat> so they're pretty. They're pretty. Uh, I guess those are the ones that are the most. I guess out of all the three. Those are the ones that are the most like, what's the word? Predatory. Mm. It even said, I, you can go into all of this if you're a birder or, or, you know, you want to get into this stuff, but they, man, there's, there's a ton of stuff about these particular birds, but I just kind of got the, the, the minimum. Mm -hmm. Um, so all occipiters are forest dwelling hawks that hunt by close quarter ambush and dash and catch strategy. So they kind of strike, you know, when the victim is not really aware, which mm-hmm. is neat. But um, the so here was something cool. And this kind of goes into the ship. So Destiny's really good with this stuff, man. If they're going to name something, they're going to make sure it looks like what they're talking about. Uh, the, the adult hawks, the adult occipiters, the plumage combines a gray brown to a radiant blue gray upper part. With brick red and silver gray underfeathers, but when seen from above, like when seen from below, they just look like this ship, which is hilarious. Huh. So when you look at the ship, it's like a very silver hawk looking 
And uh, remember Is Luna back in D1? Yes, it was that, red. That was a brick red. Yes. And that was the Hawk Moon, baby Hawk Moon. Yeah. The Is Luna, which Is is a little bird hawk. That's interesting. Bungie really Isn't likes it? to go deep on this. They do, man. And, and you know, that's great because, like, I think a lot of them, a lot of, a lot of the writers and people that are naming stuff in, at the game, I mean, they all want to be polymaths. They want to know as much information as they mm-hmm. can. I mean, they, they have a vast knowledge. Uh, like, just to have half of what they know and have, have learned over the years would be just great to add to my knowledge. I would just, mm-hmm. I wish I had that kind of information in my brain. Yeah, it'd be really cool to like just go get to go there and just like sit down with them and be like, so what's your inspiration for like this? Like how do you how do you dive into this? Uh and like just a bunch of them, you know? Because like we were lucky enough to have uh John Goff come on and we got to ask like questions like that. And hopefully we can get other people in the future. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Yeah, we should totally do that. Yeah. Because I know some of the artists, or some of the writers, I call them all artists because they're all artists, but uh, some of them are just, it's its its neat what they're fascinated by. So some of them yeah. are like for real, you know, birders, or they love ornithology, you know, they, they're like full on all about animals, creatures, genius, you know, the, the breaking down the species, where they branch and, and stuff like that. And some of them are just true sci-fi fanatics, you know, that yeah. work there. And they know everything about all sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, it really shows. Yeah, ho- hopefully, hopefully soon we'll have another uh, the lore that made us episode. Yeah. All right. Uh, so should we talk about the uh, next <clears throat> coming season, uh, season of the Chosen? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, you want to do that now? Yeah. First. Uh, okay. So we just got a trailer, and that's what I was typing. Uh, can you imagine if uh, we we just got the the bungee uh, thing on first search? Like when, when I didn't have this prepared, I kind of dropped the ball on that because we 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 decided to do this at the last minute. But um, <laughs> just. I search it and it's like, here's some random re-upload. Like, why can't you just give me the official trailer first, man? <laughs> so uh, we're gonna put that on screen. Okay. And we'll, we'll sit through this. And uh, so, you know, uh, right off the bat, you can see uh, the Cosmodrome. We have wall ships. We have the ship on the left that kind of looks like the a Titan showing the edges uh, of the and her. Uh, centurions behind her. Kaitel has tusks. Very exciting. Female Cabal supposed to have tusks. And we've seen female Cabal in the game, apparently. I wasn't aware of this, but we've seen them in the game. And they don't actually have tusks in game. So for Kaitel to come out and be like, tusks and all, it is kind of uh, new and exciting. So... Have we gotten any kind of worse explanation for that or not? Just the fact that it exists. And that all started with Destiny 2. Destiny 2? Yeah, we learned about The book showed Keitel and Green Rat Tusks. And everyone's like, whoa, what the hell? Like, why do they have Tusks? So I guess in speculation, you would have to say that 
tusks either um, are docked for war or maybe have something to do with uh, freedom or maybe have something to do with just um, superiority, like, you know, rank. Well, so that's what people file. believe. They thought it would be... <clears throat> Uh, uh, people in the Ishtar Discord actually suggested that that a uh, high-ranking royalty female cabal is allowed to keep her tusks, whereas the ones that are in the wars do not get to keep her tusks. But in this trailer, we see uh, like right now they're fighting Red Legion on the Cosmodrome. Uh, but I think it's actually just after the scene. You're, you can see that these are Keitel's Cabal. Keitel's Cabal are blue armored. Uh, instead of red armor, and there is a scene. I don't. I'm not seeing it uh, pop up. But there is a scene where we see a centurion in the background, blue armored Keitel Cabal Legion, that has its tusks, and it's oh, really? not Keitel. So it, it. Oh really? Yeah. So I'm hoping moving forward, that's something that we'll Bungie, see more tusks. Yeah, that yeah. Bungie embraces, and they're just like, this is going to be a, a standard thing going forward. Um, uh-huh. So hey, you want to hear something funny? Yeah, hear something funny real quick. Okay, so when the video first started playing, I was laughing hysterically because they showed Keitel from the side profile, and I thought her helmet mask thing on the front—I thought that was her bottom lip hanging out real far. Ugh. I'll, have to, I'll have to look at that again off off the show to see. Which reminded me so much of an elephant because you know, like when they have that big bottom lip just hanging out. anyway. Her 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 mask on her face has this big long thin protrusion protrusion sticking out. What what do people call the cabal? Because I always call them space rhinos, but there's another another turtle to get called turtles. That's what it yeah. was. Thank you. And and in games we've got the cabal armor for the titan that has the little turtles that have been striked through the kill marks. <laughs> so that's Remember another that? one of those things where Bungie can't make up their mind what they want to call uh-huh. it. Because there's, well, like, there's the camp that want to call them turtles because they're in the armor, the heavy armor plating, and then there's the camp that want to call them rhinos because if you actually look, like even before they had tusks in-game, if you look at their bodies out of suit, it is like like a rhino, rhino yeah. leg and a rhino yeah. leg and some rhino natural rhino skin plating on their shoulders. It's, yeah. it, it is very clearly rhino-inspired. Oh, hey, you're a rhino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a kick out of that the first time I heard it in game when we got Destiny 2 cuz that was the first yeah. time they like Cade says it, right? Yeah. Cuz he says yeah. it during that mission. He's like, "Dude, space rhinos, you know, or whatever." And I was like, "Wait, what? Why did you say my name?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it goes way back to the trailer when they were called um space turtles and then like we didn't hear them called rhinos until what was it in the lore during the owl thing, owl sector? Wasn't that something? Like, I, I think I, it was I just around that time. Back in D one, being called rhinos, and yeah, I just remember like rhinos and turtles for the cabal was kind of interchangeable, and now we're finally getting to see more of their rhino aspect with their tusks uh, coming through, even if it's only the female cabal that have them. Well, see, what's funny to me is I always called them piranha faced because they have. <laughs> I that guess big, I see that. You know, yeah, because they had a get big gaping maw, you know, with the sharp teeth. And then when they showed the cabal do- dogs at first, before mm-hmm. we ever knew what they were called, they looked like sharks. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they showed the Leviathan, which looked like a massive 
fish in the in space. Well, the Leviathan's based on the land whale, which is apparently uh-huh. a thing on Torbital. Yeah, so I, it was kind of like, well, where are they getting all these fishy looks from, you know? But then, like, there's space turtles, there's space rhinos, and then they have these fish at, uh, attributes. The Cabal are <laughs> actually very complex. Like, people are, are always like, oh, the Cabal are so boring, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they're actually yeah. really complex. Like Very complex. And, and, and as we've learned throughout the lore, just like they explained in Grimoire, they've become... Like for as much as we know about them, they become the most mysterious mm. out of all. Because yeah, we have a book hiding. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're called morphs from the very get go, mm-hmm. and that implies so many things. Which is something that is shared with uh, the hive. They had the king morph, the mother morph, the night morph. Hmm. Yep. And I guess at some point. Well, I mean, an ogre isn't experimented on Thrall, so is that just still, like, is that a morph? Because it, it bypasses the Acolyte stage. Because, like, the Thrall to the Acolyte isn't a morph. It's just a natural evolution. Huh. Yeah, because they have to, yeah, because they're a part of their, a part, a part of their worm pack. They have yeah. to, 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 to attain the next rank up, they've got to kill enough of their own or lessers to have amassed enough for their well, I mean, uh, the progression was natural even before the worms because there was the mother morph and the night morph and the king morph which was an exclusive but they would they would be born a thrall and then they would grow to an acolyte and then they would take the morph they choose to take however That's... however a morph is taken is <laughs> kind of up in the air and gross sounding yeah and so then you know and then I think back to the Cabal as they were the fourth horsemen of the apocalypse of the four enemy races, the founding four enemy races. So mm-hmm. got you've got the different um, races, which kind of personify the end of the world that we're, that we're facing. And, uh, but what's funny about the Cabal is they're, they are, they are the, personification of war right i was gonna say how can they be the fourth horseman if they're war exactly but the fourth horseman with death you know just straight up death pestilence and war right yeah that's actually crazy i know everyone does this for everything it's like there are spongebob four horsemen but (laughs) (laughs) but this actually really works where famine has fallen death is hive War is Cabal, and uh, it didn't necessarily... It always had the hint in D1 that uh, Vex could be Pestilence, but it was never really realized until the Clovis Bray Journal, where we see the Vex infection in the bone marrow. Like, right. that is Pestilence. Exactly. Yeah, because for years, my thought process was, okay, well, then that just means... Because I always thought originally way back in d1 that just like you set up at first but i I always had the hive and the vex uh in the wrong spot for Mm -hmm. years but then when we learned that the vex actually infect that was the kicker that was the trick right yeah it's almost like we're missing some it's almost like we're missing the the storyline that gives us okay so we had the siva which was infected 
basically uh, fallen, mm-hmm. which was okay. So there's the zombie, you know, aspect. Like every game has that zombie horde mode, right? So I mean, if anyone's was a zombie, it's the scorn. Yeah. So the zombie scorn, but but all of those things that we've seen so far, those are those are almost um, choices. Mm-hmm. But then the, when the taking came along, I thought, okay, this is going to be this is going to be it. And that still wasn't it. Mm-hmm. So I have yet to have seen like the true um what would i what i would say was the parallel to halo where the the in halo it's the flood mm-hmm. and the flood is one grave mind controls all of the uh flood and all of the flood is straight up infecting anything that they come in contact with and once they infect it they that infectee or infected person thing whatever becomes a new um, version of 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 the flood. So, like, there are elites in the game, brutes in the game, humans in the game, marines in the game, Spartans, and they can all become a, a flood form, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if the Vex learned how? Because you know, there's that big swamp monster, right? The swamp monster from the um, from the uh, original art, <laughs> the big frog. Oh, no, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, the big swamp monster, yeah. Okay. And so so if that's if that was Vex, imagine if that was part of the Vex construct. Imagine if the Vex learned how to take over uh biology and infect people in a way that could um they would be just, you know, puppets in a way. Yeah, so uh the swamp monster is on the screen. You mean this thing in the background? Uh, so and here's the here's the here's the thing, real quick, before we go further. It was just revealed, uh, what three four days ago? Yeah, I was just gonna say from that. Chris Barrett on Twitter when he was going through a lot of his original art pieces that he had made for the game before the game ever came out. That that swamp monster was associated with the Vex originally. Whether that took on anything or ever, you know, just died or never came about story-wise. Yeah. That drawing was originally with the Vex. Well, I mean, there's Vex in this, this picture. Is oh, this you're, you're pulling up that one? Yeah. Probably. Okay. So what I want to point out in this picture as well is if you look at the Vex, they are carrying what looks like hive boomers. Not their traditional weapons. Uh, and Swamp Monster here kind of looks like an ogre. <laughs> I don't mean to like, <laughs> I don't mean to like crush your dreams about it. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine because I mean, obviously, you know, it's all it's all super old it's all... early concept. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say the most likely scenario in this because if you actually look at this this the scene, it's the Vex invading a town. That's not something the Vex have ever done, but that is something the Hive have done in uh rusted lands back in d1 all the pvp maps had a grimoire card associated with it and rusted lands talked about a hive uh the cedar crashed on i think it's a the cedar crashed on a the cedars would be launched from the moon they would crash on earth and that would hold a hive invasion that would be insane a hive invasion force and so this kind of looks like what eventually became the concept of rusted lands where instead of vex it was hive knights with boomers acolytes with boomers big ogre in the background 
that's just where sure. I go when I look at this. So that big, anyway, so that, yeah, I, I agree. So that big, big monster in the background has always been kind of like, what is it, right? Mm-hmm. So we've never seen it in game. It's the new triangle shit for me. <laughs> I'm just waiting for it, right, to show up. Yeah. Whether it be just some, you know, hokey enemy that we end up fighting. But, I mean, even in the Black Armory papers, right, we're talking about the the enemy banging on the door that sounds like stretching metal but smells like wet earth, you know, yeah. that's, yeah, so... Who knows, man? <laughs> so we started this conversation trying to speculate <laughs> about next season. So let's mm-hmm. speculate about next season. Okay. Uh, so in the trailer, we we see Keitel coming to Osiris and and Zavala and telling them uh, that the darkness is here. You you're gonna die if you try to fight it on your own. But together, we can fight it and we can win. And then she says to bow and. Uh, so I've seen I've been seeing people say like two sides where it's like Zaval is too strong to bow he's not going to bow to you blah 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 and then the other side is like what the hell Zavala why are you screwing us like they're your pride is that strong that you won't even bow like who cares yeah. and from what we know about the cabal bowing isn't just an act it's not just like okay let's can bow and let's be in alliance now bowing is submitting all of humanity as slaves to the cabal empire just like the sirens just like the arcborn the sindhu the yeah uh kaga or the clips it's, it's clips right their moon their moon kaga is clips, called yeah. kaga and so they are the clips but their moon is kaga and the moon base is kaga clips yeah that's something like that <laughs> Yeah, and each and each time one of those champions from all of those different uh, races, ha- at the very last stand, they had to bow or submit. Yeah, to and Kallus, that was to that was Callus. Yeah, when that was when he was in the Leviathan. So, yeah. actually, those races, I'm not even sure if they're alive anymore. So I don't maybe, think they are because no. it. Actually, if you think about it, it sounds like Callus killed them. It was like, okay, you're my shadow. Select few yeah. can come on the Leviathan. The rest of you, you're getting eaten. Can you imagine? No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, obviously, next season, uh, we're going to be fighting some Keitel enforcements. Uh, we're getting, what is it called? The Hammer of... of something hammer of honor oh yeah uh that's i'm that feels like it's gonna be like the chalice of opulence the the synthesizer the the hunt lure you know it's just one of those things you slot in the whatever you slot in and you do the activity (laughs) and you get the rewards based on what you slot in right yeah yeah it really sucks is like uh so that whole mechanic has introduced this whole other dynamic to the game. Like we have the Fang, you know, we're currently right now in, and yeah. that's part of our, that's part of our um, upgrade mechanic artifact. as we go. But then there's the lure. Yeah. That's the artifact. And then there's the lure, which is a whole other um, item that was crafted to pull out the, the, um, what are they called? Wrathborn. Wrathborn. Yeah. So the Wrathborn are uh, like the Savathun enhanced, baddies zivu enhanced 
Zivu, I'm sorry, Zivu enhanced baddies. So, <clears throat> what enhanced baddies are we going to see now? Keitel. You think? I, I think it's just Keitel's Legion. Like, from, from everything the way it sounded, we are proving ourselves to Keitel to say, like, okay. you can't control us. Just because we don't bow doesn't mean you, you, can, you can force us, you know? We're kind of just, like, stalemating with Keitel. That's true. Well, okay, so what what we saw in the trailer, we saw the huge war table. The helm. So that's in Yeah, the helm. So helm, H E, you know, it's an acronym. Yeah. What do you think helm stands for? I have no idea. Do you think we're going to find elephant losing their mind? Uh I yeah, of course we are. I mean, we've we've had What else have we had? We've had acronyms in Destiny where they're just like, we're not telling you what it is. Like Mida. Oh, yeah. Well, what about Owl Sector? Wasn't that an acronym? No. Owl Sector is just Owl Sector. Oh. To my knowledge. Maybe it is an acronym. Well, we've had acronyms. Uh, yeah, I guess we've had acronyms, and then we had to, like, search the lore really hard to scrub out what they meant. Like, yeah. for uh, <laughs> for years, the what was the little um, device they used to text each other across the solar system? The, the terminals? Uh, yeah. The Van terminals Net? that... Yeah, VanMet. Wasn't there an acronym for one of those devices, one of those screens? And we were all like, what is this? I can't remember, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. It's too much lore. Yeah. We're at that point where there absolutely is too much. It's like I used to be able to like list what Grimoire entry it was from and everything back yeah. in like, Vanilla D1. And I was like, yeah, this is from here. This is exactly what it said. Now I'm like, I think it's a thing. I might just be imagining. <laughs> long, long after the game has ended people will still be learning stuff about the lore yeah. at this point, at the rate we're going. Yeah, it's it's just never ending. Oh, there's a lot now. Back in the day, we could kind of theorycraft and make up a lot of this stuff Yeah, based on what we learned. But now it's kind of like you have to, you have to legitimately wait for them to tell you some of these things. So this season's big bad ended up being the high celebrant. Next season, do you think we're actually going to fight Keitel? Or do you think we're gonna fight someone who is her like second in command, maybe Amunarath, and we're gonna prove ourselves to her? What do you think? You know, gonna go? Okay, so so like it, it could go either way, right? It could mm. end up being this um, just ever-present type of person that ends up being a fixture in the background, mm. like Keitel. Just we we prove ourselves. We you know kill a bunch of her warriors or her centurions, whatever, and then she's like, okay, well I'm here if mm. you need some stuff, right? And then she's there. She's parked, kind of like spiders parked. Right, but maybe not an ally, but maybe kind of like an enemy of our enemy. So you're telling me we could have had Gustav Slavinly? Yeah, absolutely. What the so hell? That, so that's one way of looking at it. Or here's another crazy spin for the way. What if she ends up falling for a Savathun trick? I mean, that seems like the most likely outcome when, yeah. when you really uh, get into it. For anyone wondering who Gus the Slavenly is, they're a pre D1 thing. It's on screen now. 
<laughs> oh my god. Pre pre D one cabal vendor concept. Yeah. We never figured out. Okay, so in the pre D one concept, uh mechanic and stuff they show the guardian with the crazy looking ghost that was a weird looking ghost and he's got all his stats and armor pieces and and all the little slots and things but there was one (laughs) in particular and it was called chocolate mountain what exactly exactly no 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 no. i remember this they 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 talked about that (laughs) the devs have talked about that like what that was oh man i can't remember though yeah i don't remember either I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> let's let's try to <laughs> let's try to get back on topic. Maybe that's what we'll end up seeing is Chocolate Mountain. We're gonna we're gonna go to Chocolate Mountain. Yeah. We don't have um, the Valentine's Day special anymore. I'm a little bit so, bummed about that, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Oh, I'm sorry for yawning so much. No worries. Yeah, Crimson Days. No Crimson Days. So. Do you think that happened because of the delay in the game? No, I, it I just, just think, didn't work. I just think like people people looked at it and no one really had anything bad to say about it because they felt it was like an opt-in experience. Whereas like the Haunted Forest, the Dawning, it was so in your face. It was like you can't yeah. opt out of doing it. Whereas Crimson Days, it was a PvP game. So most of the community was just kind of like, eh about it like i don't have the patience to hate on it it doesn't do anything to me it's not giving me anything that i want so who cares and bungie looked at everyone going who cares and everyone's like all right well then who cares (laughs) (laughs) and i'm i i didn't play it much i really didn't i'd play like maybe four games of it and i'm like oh this is fun and then i put it down and that would be the end of it and I like I said I had no real negative things to say about it, but I did kind of just feel like who cares? You know, if I miss the event, I miss the event. What am I missing? Yeah. And uh, I am a little bummed, like a, a little bummed that it's it's. I'm, I'm 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 genuinely bummed out, and it's because my wife and I play. Exactly. When we play. Yeah, my wife and I play Destiny every single. Well, we play like every other day. If we're not playing Destiny, we're playing Halo. But mm-hmm. when we play, we play Crucible together for the most part. And that was a fun activity because it's just me and her, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we can go in and just, and, and it's crazy. So we pulled out some really crazy moves in that game. And it's really fun to be able to destroy the other team when you're just clicking, you know, you're just clicking. Mm-hmm. But I, I, could, I could see why it could be also kind of frustrating for people because when you're not clicking, man, that Crimson Day is going to be really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. it's a personal preference. You know, some people, some people are going to dig it and some people aren't. And, uh, and and like you said, it was an opt-in experience, but so was SRL. SRL was amazing though. Like, yeah, it was. I absolutely hope they don't bring SRL back unless they, the only way that I can accept them bringing SRL back is if all they did was somehow port the games the games the, the yeah maps, <laughs> the maps into destiny 2 like yeah do not waste any resources making maps for srl please but if just you could just be like had. copy paste if that's actually possible somehow to work i don't know ahead. man because where okay so like where is you know if they did that that would be crazy because there was a venus map oh, there was map. 
Yeah, a Mercury map. Yeah, two oh Earth goodness. maps, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because there there were four maps, weren't there? There's only four. They did two, and then they did another two. Yep. Yeah. The Venus map was a fun one. I really liked that one because you could go the upper top part or you could go the lower top part, but you weren't necessarily faster. You just could avoid some of the craziness. Oh, it was Mars. Was it Mars? Yeah. Was the other uh, map? Campus Meritus on Mars. Oh, that's right, with that crazy uh, sidewinder part. Hmm. Is that yeah. the one that had the forklift? No, that was... Uh... I'll get to that one. Infinite Descent was on Venus. Uh, Hakon, or uh, actually, no, I Hawkoon. Hawkins, yeah, Hawkins, yeah, it was the mountain one. It was the the, the snow. Hawkins, yeah, Hawkins Precipice was the Earth one that had the forklift and shining. Yeah, the Sands Iron Banner was, one. Yeah, the uh, yeah, and Shining Sands was the one on on Mercury. Mercury, yeah. But yeah, if they could just copy paste them, I'd be so happy. And did you see everyone saying that when they they previewed the Guardian Games armor again? Yeah. By the way, it looks like racewear. When Guardian Games came out, everyone's like, "Is that us?" Yeah, we did that the first time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny that Bungie's like, "What if we kept the aesthetic the same, but just kind of changed it?" And everyone goes, "Is that SRL armor?" <laughs> like, we it's already so did mean. this. It's not SRL armor. Calm down. Oh my god, it's so mean. No, if you saw some like straight up Jade Rabbit eaters on a helmet, then well, because yeah. this time I think I think the main thing about it this time is that the hood on the hunter is holographic, oh. just like the cloak on the SRL hunter were just two holographic oh. streaks. SRL confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I mean, if it does happen, we can say you heard it here first. Yeah. Yeah, we got it right first. Yeah. And anyone who said it before us, they were just guessing, but we knew. <laughs> uh, you know, that was a really good. Okay, so uh, back to the casual diehard thing. SRL was a fantastic way for for players to catch up. It was a fantastic catch up mechanic for people to do something that, and I'm not saying SRL didn't require skill because it definitely did to win. Yeah. I mean, there was some really close races, but at the end of every game, you got something. And it wasn't a game that you were just being punished relentlessly for playing at a low level. Mm-hmm. And so I took I took my characters, my alts that I never played with, and I ran them through there real quick to get them up to light level, and it worked. Yeah, You know, you, you drop a set of armor, and then boom, you're there. It even dropped weapons. At the end of the games, if they did that again, though, there's some hilarious sparrows now, mm-hmm. like the micro mini, yeah, or the little snowmobile. So, uh, <laughs> about that, different sparrows have they have like hidden stats. You might you might have noticed it, but you might have not known that they have these like hidden stats that affect like how they turn and how they how they fall. And things so the micro mini and the snowmobile sparrows even though those are two tiny little sparrows they have different stats and the, i think it's the snowmobile falls harder than the micro mini <laughs> really and so like yeah 
and so or at least that's what that's what someone my clan was telling me and they were saying like that's why they can't use the snowmobile sparrow because it, it falls it falls harder so it's like more difficult to actually use i had and no idea that would be awesome in srl to have like because <laughs> like in infinite descent there was like that actual like fall yep. part and it'd be funny if like you can have this like lofty sparrow just kind of cruising in the sky and maybe there's a ledge that you can get on, or you can have a heavy sparrow and you just drop down and, and go again. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Yeah, I think we have a, a ton of different sparrows uh, that would be really, there would be some interesting, there's so many different sparrows now, there would be some interesting um, fights. Do mm-hmm. we still have the broom? <laughs> there is a broom one, right? A broom sparrow. They brought the broom back. So the broom was in D one as only existing during Festival of the Lost. Yeah. And then they brought the broom back two years ago, and then last year, uh, they brought the broom back as an icy broom with a Dreaming City cat on it. All right. Over. Yeah. I have the original. I don't have the icy broom because once I have one version of it, I'm like, I'm good. (laughs) I don't need two versions of the same sparrow. Yeah, and then we had the Lysander Sparrow from D1. That was from uh, the Dawning, I think, which was also SRL. Yeah, yeah. So they did the. So that's what happened in the original SRL experience. Is it was launched with the Dawning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had, and so we we had got a Dawning, a... and then we had a Dawning SRL. Ah, and then we had a third. Oh no, no, we had a Dawning SRL, and then we had a Dawning SRL. So did we only get the SRL twice, right? Yeah, because we got okay. the two maps, and then we had it a second time. And in the Rise of Iron SRL, they made it uh, a private match thing that you could do, which still exists in, in Destiny 1. There's actually another podcast, uh, uh, Destiny Spin Foil Cast. I'm not sure their actual name. Uh, but So they just did an SRL Spin Foil Theory Podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, I was on there. And uh, good guys. Yeah, they just had an SRL, or they are about to have an SRL uh, competition called Underground SRL, where they <laughs> they awesome. uh, they go back into Destiny One to play. And I guess they only have eight people playing. That's a very small tournament. Or maybe these are the semifinals, and or the semi semifinals. Either way. Uh, I was great at SRL and I saw them talking about it when it was like <laughs> everything was closed and I was like okay thanks thanks for leaving me out I guess you just didn't want to lose <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's another good thing about SRL is all this smack talking you can do mm-hmm. Mary could hit each other I wish they would have introduced the punch mechanic that would have been even better that would have been fun <laughs> even if it didn't do anything just to punch your friends <laughs> What was the game Road Rash? Remember Road Rash? I never played that. I think it was on PlayStation originally, wasn't it? Anyway, you were like on a motorcycle and you would punch the other guy next to you. I've played you I've played racing games when you're on like like snowmobiles and bikes and stuff. Uh-huh. And you can you can and you could punch each other. So great, you could punch or kick them. Yeah, <laughs> I I I've been in a couple uh like just friendly SRL competitions, and uh, I remember one time because of the way SRL worked. 
it has this like rubber banding mechanic. So if you are super yeah. far behind, yeah, it's yeah, easy yeah. for you to catch up. And I think that's bad because yeah. what that allowed me to do was to sit at spawn for like, I gave I gave everyone like a two minute head start and I sat there <laughs> and because of rubber banding, I just went right back to them. And then I passed and won. And <laughs> but I don't know. If SRL, yeah, that if catch SRL up, can come back without any resources being wasted, I would love that. If it can't, I understand. I'll play it on D1. And my dog agrees, by the way. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so we should really try to finish off uh, Clovis's uh, journal. And this is not even including the missing pages, which are on Ishtar. So we should, we should, we should get onto that since we don't have okay. much. Yeah. Um, we are at the end. We're at entry nine. And so just to kind of quick recap, they've discovered the Ford star. They discovered Vex radiolarian fluid. It's non-Newtonian. And they also discovered that if you were to pass radiolarian fluid through uh, clarity, you would get what they call alkahest, which is yeah. how we can have exos work. They use alkahest in an exo, which... I guess if you were to really break it down, the Vex radiolarian fluid is simulating the person that the EXO is, and it's powering the EXO with that. And so um, that's basically what it is. And I think the the first couple uh, lines here are just important. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read through them. Yeah, you do. Uh, the infrastructure <laughs> is in place. We are now in limited EXO body production. I have allowed small VEX platforms to pass through the gate from 2082 Volantis, apparently intent on constructing infrastructure on this side. They are captured, drained, and discarded. Their mind fluid goes to clarity control. The alkahest flows back. The machine of immortality has begun to sl its slow turn. In ancient days, they believed the source of the alkahest was the Philosopher's Stone. I have named my own source after that deepest, oldest stone. A place where the dead go to rise again. A deep stone crypt. Bray Station guarantees our security from above. The Europa Life Project provides deniability and cover. The infrastructure around Clarity Control will expose ra Vex Radiolarian fluid to Clarity and deliver it to the Exobody manufacturing site. And then in uh, sub-notes, Elizabeth keeps trying to penetrate the networks around Clarity Control, but I have air-gapped everything and the physical, physical coffers are secured. Once the exobodies are prepared, I will upload the mines from my research library, a century of volunteers waiting for reincarnation. The first generation is already coming online, but I will not be of them, not yet, and neither will Elizabeth. A true upload requires maximum resolution subneural scan, and such a scan is invariably fatal. That means I will only get one shot. I will not take it... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I will not take yeah. it until the exos are stable. I refuse to be an alpha tester of my own immortality. I started to laugh there because I was just thinking of Hamilton. Uh, oh. <laughs> I am opening two new off-the-books labs to study the Vex and the effects of clarity. If humanity is going to fully transmigrate to these immortal bodies, then the eternal welfare of all future generations depends on spotting and avoiding any dangers now. I can justify taking extreme measures. One of the most tantalizing projects involves A. Miller, a young man from a nanoparticle-induced degenerative immune disorder. 
I have been testing radical new imaging techniques on Mr. Miller, hoping to find a non-destructive scan that still meets the requirements for a full faith upload. Unfortunately, Mr. Miller's dosage of various fixing compounds and imaging radiation is approaching the limits of cl clinical toxicity. Despite blood and CSF washes, I fear his tumors will escape our control. I am curious about the therapeutic potential of the VEX fluid. I plan to obtain his informed consent for a human trial. And, uh, I'll just, we're almost at the end, so I'll just finish it. Yeah. Uh, M. Sundaresh comes and goes at odd hours. Her behavior is erratic. Yesterday, she discussed the possibility that we would be eternal collaborators in exobodies, and I believe she even flirted with me. An hour <laughs> later, she was as cold as the ice outside and put up her hand to silence me whenever I spoke. An hour after that, she glowed with joy, and she went on and on about her dear wife. Then she wept. I am not sure whether to blame my confusion on my own conception of women or on M. Sundaresh's racing mind. I cannot tolerate such volatility, and I would dismiss her instantly, except her supervision seems to be key, the key, key to the successful entrapment of the Vex we need. She has a knack. And then, uh, subnote, I should give her a name and the figurehead clarity control presents to the word. To the word. That's gotta be a typo, right? To the world? To the world, yeah. Uh, I should. I have ordered a new herd of organ-growing pigs. I mm -hmm. plan to be here a while. Elizabeth still will not commit to a scan. I fear she will die in some accident, and I will lose her forever. And then uh, another subnote. Uh, Clovis says, "Ha! Shall I call her Claire?" Talking about the clarity control, which is the statue, the veiled statue that we've seen in the Deep mm -hmm. Sea Crypt raid, in the Garden of Salvation raid, and on the Lunar Pyramid. Yep. Uh, so that, that, that kind of had a lot in it, but very, uh, important things. Uh, at the start, he mentions the Vex are coming through, uh, intent on constructing an infrastructure on this side, which is exactly what they did when Crota cut the hole in Oryx's yes. throne. Perfect. So it just felt like a, a really nice parallel, uh, between those yeah. two. So it's happening, it's happening again, but this time with, um, like in our story, we're learning that this happened uh, in a parallel story. So it's almost as if the Vex, that's how they, that's how they flood your instance of reality is they come through that opportune door that you create. Uh, and so for Clovis, this was kind of it, maybe. <clears throat> what's, what's really weird, um, this is what's... This has been an enigma uh, through the game uh, originally, and it goes back to D1. But this idea of alchemy and how the Philosopher's Stone is tied into the lore and what the heck they mean when they're talking about that. Because we have a lot of items in the game <clears throat> that go way back that talk about alchemy and how that was so important into the development of Guardians uh, as, far as, the, as far as the little hints they've been dropping. And so alchemy is the idea that you can create something from something else by introducing either a chemical reaction or some other type of, uh, you know, just a reaction. And then you can uncover matter in another form. So back up a little bit to what the Philosopher's Stone was, this idea that if you can figure out the correct, the, the perfect alchemy, you can unlock the true Philosopher's Stone, which was basically life, you know, being able to create something uh, from nothing, right? 
is this idea. And so we've got things like alchemist raiment. We've got things that hang around. Uh, the symbol on alchemist raiment is also on the lullaby, which was an artifact we got in D1. And so there are other things that talk about alchemy and how there were experiments done uh, with some of the original warlocks. Uh, and there are these ideas that somehow guardians were tied to uh, this idea of alchemy and Philosopher's Stone, uh, this whole lore explanation that we're getting. But what's really, really critical right now that we're learning is the Alkahest, mm -hmm. which is this combining of vexness or what of the vex is and creating something new uh, from their mind fluid. Uh, mm -hmm. it, and, and we're really seeing the, the, like the tangible creation of life in a new form, mm -hmm. uh, which Clovis has figured out. And, and, and his little tie-ins to these uh, alchemy, you know, Alkahest, uh, Philosopher for Stones, all these little hints are kind of telling us where all that, that mysterious lore originated from, maybe. So, so actually, uh, part of me wants to, like, whenever something like this comes up, is to say, they just mean it, like, figuratively. But also, mm. it's, it's really hard to ignore that when Clovis found clarity, uh, so going all the way back to the note clarity, which is, like, way at the beginning... He says, mm -hmm. uh, but clarity is not always symmetrical. For example, it uh, violates time reversibility. Consider the yeah. equation clarity A into B. And so um, in alchemy, in, you know, alchemy, you add acid to lead and you get the elixir of life. No, yeah. you just get <laughs> melted lead. Like, sure. But clarity doesn't work like that. Clarity is clarity a to b this is the application of a clarity of state a to produce a lower entropy state b clarity is fond of removing portions of the state configuration harrowing the phase space down to its its most robust inhabitants time symmetry suggests that we should be able to run this process in reverse and retrieve the original reverse clarity b to a but in fact we obtain reverse clarity b to c where C is the same as clarity B to C. So whether you try to reverse it or you apply clarity to, if you apply clarity to A, you'll get B. If you try to reverse it, you'll get C. But if you just decide to apply clarity some more to B, you'll also get C. So yeah, yeah. it, it kind of feels like the dark is alchemy. <laughs> like exactly. It's the secret of alchemy. So can you think back to when we were talking about <clears throat> how there's, uh, okay, so, you know, uh, Ulantan aside, because that can just go off forever. But mm -hmm. when we were talking about how the darkness is in and around everything, just as the light is, right? Yeah. And so okay. there's this, if you separate one, you're going to separate the other. They cannot exist without one another, right? But okay. in order to, in order to, in order to exist as guardians, uh, they both have to be there. And so here's that, here's that, here's that um, conundrum, that moral conundrum, or that not moral conundrum, but that conundrum of if we truly want to defeat the darkness, we will inevitably have to die or not exist anymore. Because if it has, if it turns out that it is 
in actuality, it is a part of what we are then uh, to, to go on and live on or survive or you know, ultimately exist forever. Uh, once we defeat it, we're gone, right? Okay. Yeah, so I see what you're saying. You're saying that because we are of the light and of the dark we we are a product of both of them existing we can't defeat it without killing ourselves yes so it's the ultimate sacrifice i i mean i disagree uh i mostly disagree with the statement that you can't destroy the dark without also destroying the light because if you were to take it back from the winnower's own perspective in unveiling uh, they talk about the flower game and the winner and the gardener and the gardener gets upset and it's like, fine, I'm making myself a player in the game. Like I am a piece in the game now. And that so, was, yeah, that's right. That was the ultimate thing. So yeah. she, or he, was that she, she so, gardener, yeah. she winner unknown winner, yeah, probably so, she considering veiled statues. So by making herself a player in the game, she did the ultimate move by saying, well, now you can't end the game. Yeah, but also for an un unchartable amount of time, whether it was a second or it was years or it was millennia, there was the existence of light within the flower game, within our universe, before right. there was the existence of dark. Mm-hmm. So one has already existed without the other. It's not So then so then what the we other. so what we would say is um I wouldn't say all of life because I would say that all of life is a part of the light. And so all of life in its form that was gone on from, you know, big bang to now, whatever mm-hmm. that is of the light. So, but as far as guardians are concerned, yes. Or any paracausal entity. The... Yeah. Well, destroying the light would destroy guardians. Yeah. Okay. But destroying the dark wouldn't destroy guardians necessarily. I think I think I think it will and we'll learn but maybe maybe this is where maybe this is what we were supposed to do all along is kind of pick a side. See, so I can I can appreciate We're learning that about kind of darkness. Thing. Yeah. Cuz uh uh let me let me check something. Spoilers for a uh Oh my god, it's only 10 years old. Well, spoilers for a 10-year-old game, uh, Infamous 2. Uh, depending on the ending you choose, because you can choose the good ending or the bad ending, if you uh-huh. were to choose the good ending, you're making the ultimate sacrifice. In Infamous, there are people that have powers. They're called conduits. And you can choose to kill all the conduits. And it would just, like, it would stop the bad guy from, like, destroying the world, but you killed all the conduits. Even people who didn't know they were conduits, like, dead. Or you can be like, I'm going to be the bad guy. I'm going to destroy the world instead. Oh, wow. Okay. So the good ending is you kill yourself and others. Obviously, it didn't it didn't last because there's a yeah. sequel to Infamous 2. But that was the intent of the ending. So I can appreciate that type of ending where like the guardians come to the end and the darkness mm-hmm. is like, if you kill me, you're killing your, you're killing your kind. You're, you're severing the connection of paracausality, yeah. the light yeah. or the dark will not win, especially with the context of, uh, the prophecy dungeon armor, because, the uh, the hunters have 
if I remember correctly, the Hunters have light, the Titans have light and dark, and the Warlocks have dark. And they show the the reality of a world with just light, a world with just dark, and a world with both. And all oh, of them right. suck. None yeah. of them are good. <laughs> so if the ultimate end game is that we <sighs> shut out the light and the dark, it's like let's go then it's all the options the options yeah. are terrible let's see option number four that's really funny that's really funny but so you know on a base level uh in the mechanic of how do guardians exist uh we're seeing a lot of that by clovis's um experiments because with the alkahest this new um uh, creation that he's you know found mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't want to say he made because mm-hmm. it was there but he just figured out the concoction to make it work for exos um so that little <clears throat> that little experiment unveiled that that idea or that that thing that true um origin which we had kind of uh known nothing really about forever mm-hmm. until now so <clears throat> When I think of things like uh, Ulantan and how he says, "Without light, you know, you can't exist," or "Without dark, you can't exist." Blah blah blah. We need to mm-hmm. find a symmetry, and his whole faction was the symmetry, and how they all wanted to spread this belief that we need to combine both life and light and dark. Um, what one thing that he probably missed was that um, all of this originated from, like you said, the winner and the gardener one of them becoming a player in the game. Mm-hmm. And so when you introduce that part of the equation as the player in the game, <clears throat> they know that to perpetuate uh, themselves, uh, they can't truly be defeated because it's no longer two people, it's no longer two entities across from one another playing a game because now one of them is in the game, mm-hmm. right? Well, so both of them. Yeah, so so now both so the other one in order to play against the other one has to introduce themselves into ah, the yeah, game. Sorry. Right? Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So so now the game is no longer just uh two entities removed from a board. They're actually inside. And so I think that's what we're seeing with the darkness and the traveler. Uh they are the players and now they're in our reality. And look what has happened. Mm-hmm. And in order for in order for everything to go back to normal them two players have to get out of our dang game Mm -hmm. and start playing again like they were before. But they're both here and they're both fighting for, um, you know, domination, dominance, Mm -hmm. whatever. And so we're all byproducts of that because now with them two, with them being here in our reality, they've created this whole entire uh, paracausality, you know, we've got all these powers, we've got all these extra abilities, stuff like that. But so that that that's what I was trying to say is if they are removed from the game, all of that goes with them. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Cause think about how the hive were created and they were proto-hive before and, and before they were when they were proto-hive, uh they were warring and dying really fast and, and then they got these new abilities from the worm pack and stuff like that. I mean all these all of these things that could have just been byproducts of the the original two entities entering the game. So if we destroy the dark and the light and that destroys us, that also destroys the hive definitely 
and mm -hmm. it might actually wound the Vex. I'm not sure where the Vex exactly stand on everything. Well, I think the Vex is um, the Vex is like in the purest form of the two entities in the playing, mm -hmm. you know, playing the game because like in that little uh, mixology or whatever you want to call it of the Vex fluid that we're learning yeah. about and how it breaks down in the Alkahes, the two little the the two little opposing forces that drive the vex that are you know it because you say the vex are the darkness right but truly they are a, a machina form mm -hmm. for for that particular darkness to advance right and and it's almost the same for the hive and it's almost the same for uh you know the the um cabal mm -hmm. but but what's funny about that is if you really want to break it down and think about it, it's almost kind of a thing for us too, because you know, guardians, guardians really uh, are able to to tap into all the spectrums of the light, you know, and and the darkness is just one other facet of that. Hmm. So I, I, I really think that I think that there's a lot, I think there's a lot of entanglement involved, and yeah. I don't think that we are as pure as we give ourselves credit for, you know. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that leads I mean, us. Yeah, go ahead. That leads us to the last note in this, which is note D E R, which uh, stands for one of the acronym initialisms that we actually know. Uh, is it degenerative exomine yes. rejection? Degenerative yep. exomine rejection. So. Uh, infuriating with 12 alcohol seated exos now online. I find myself beached on the shoals of another serious problem, not a transitional trauma after all, not a temporary ailment, quite fail fatal. Mr. Zuck was the first to succumb. He continued to insist that he was living in a nightmare. He complained of hunger, of thirst, of breathlessness, of a rot in his bowels. I became concerned that he was billboarding, but his exoneuron activity remained healthy. Shortly after Mr. Zuck developed a full-blown coder delusion, I found him trying to chisel his face off with the table shim. He insisted that his face was covered in a thick layer of keratin. Uh, toenail was his exact word. <laughs> and the rest of his body was already dead and rotting. He became violent. Uh -huh. I had to paralyze his motor functions for diagnosis. This only made things worse. Without the satisfaction of motor feedback, he disassociated entirely. He stopped forming new memories, which trapped him in an eight-second loop of panic. After I resumed his motor functions, I watched him fill every page of a notebook with the words, I have just died. I am trapped in a corpse. Now I am certain I am dead. Death has taken me completely. I have just finished dying. Activity in his temporal lobes collapsed. He lost his ego barrier and achieved metaphysical oneness with the universe. Unfortunately, this spread his coder delusion to his entire perceptual cosmos and rejected the resulting necro-reality as intolerable. I have not yeah. ever before seen such all-consuming terror and dread. So, <laughs> that was kind of yeah. the important bit of, we heard about D-E-R before, and it was like, D-E-R, it's bad. And it was like, that's how it was basically described to us. D-E-R is terrible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So Cotard's um, syndrome is this idea that you're living as a, like a zombie. You're living as a corpse. You're just this, I, it's real. <laughs> People think they're walking dead. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah. And so 
it's this delusion that you have where you think that you are just a, a rotting vessel or you're just walking around as a rotting corpse and it it's it can be pretty um debilitating yeah uh, so they the patient can deny their own existence uh they can deny or just part of their body or just say that you know my arm is falling off and it's putrid or whatever and so their whole reality is completely distorted they think that their symptoms are real they believe that they're dying it's almost like it's almost like you're a hive, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, effectively, he's at this point with the exos where Elizabeth is super suspicious. He's hiding a whole bunch of things, and now he just had a, a, he had some of them experience der. So what does he do? He signs all the data and pretends it didn't happen. <laughs> they're, they're gone. They're dead. There's no reason to care about them anymore. I can't I can't let my daughter find out my granddaughter find out what I was actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. He is he is a really not good person. Yeah. And, it's, and so that's that's where that's where we got in the book where the two last pages were missing. Yeah. Well, I mean it was it had to be more than two pages just for the sake of it not being extended like another quarter inch. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, it was kind of thick, wasn't it? Yeah, like like what's actually what's actually left in the missing pages is extensive. You know, it's it's not short. But the book that we have, it actually has two two pages ripped out. But they can't put twenty pages ripped out because then it would just have this like weird stump at the end. (laughs) So it's just for the the. Appeal of pages being ripped out, and that's that's what I legitimately are. thought. I legitimately thought somebody ripped off the back of my book. I had people I like, asking me that. They were like, yeah. is, this, is, this, "Is this how you got yours?" I'm like, "Yes, it's normal. It's fine. Relax." It's, yeah, it's, 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 it it's looks aesthetic. so real. It does. It and everyone's is exactly the same. So it's not. Uh-huh. That's the crazy yeah. thing. They like. They like. Yeah. I don't know. The machine tore paper. It's not like someone actually sat there just going. Yeah, to yeah. No, thousands of copies. Exactly like that. Yeah, exactly. Wow. What uh, a cool, cool idea. So happy to be finally finished with that. that we did it. <laughs> we did it. We're going into Season of the Chosen uh, ne- this week. And our next episode is just going to be going into the missing pages of Clovis. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll finally start going through season of the hunt. And then we'll finally start going through season of the chosen. And then hopefully because of this extensive push with the, the collector's journal, uh, we'll actually make it through the whole year without running out of lore books to talk about. And it just works really nice. Yeah. I think it'll lay out like dominoes for the rest of the season for the rest of the year yeah we'll be a little behind on the topical things but it'll work (laughs) yeah well we'll say topical when we have to (laughs) Uh, so if uh if you want to find more of us we are on twitter uh at loose cannon show uh we only tweet updates for the show we are every other week on Sunday morning at 9.15. So our next episode will be not on Valentine's Day, but on February 21st at 9.15 a.m. Right here, we will be diving into the uh, missing pages of the Clovis Journal. We will have another uh, item description. 
and we might actually not be able to resist talking a little bit about season chosen just like oh we'll have to like we'll have have two weeks with it we have to say something yeah it's gonna be some uh, good stuff i can feel it yeah so i need to go prepare for the snow that started falling during the show I had my windows open and it was like 20 minutes ago. I just like looked outside and I was like, uh, you know, it's I'm in Texas. So we get, (laughs) we get the most erratic weather here. Like if you don't wait, if you don't like the weather, just wait a day. But right now it is currently cold. Mm -hmm. It's in the thirties, but it's just barely wet and drizzly. And, um, it's the ground is still warm from mm. the last two days. That's crazy. So, so we're, <laughs> we're not even seeing half of what you guys are seeing up there. Yeah. Uh, oh, and also, I don't envy you snow people. <laughs> I don't envy us either. Cause I had to shovel out two <laughs> cars too. I had to shovel out my car and then I had to shovel out my girlfriend's car. And the way that my apartments work, I have to shovel out my car to get my car to move so they can plow my Goodness spot. Gracious. But they plow my spot terribly. So I have to shovel out my car or my spot a second time. And then I have to shovel do the same thing with my girlfriend's car. Mm-mm. So I, all I cars, you like should just all, four times. They should just up there, they should just create another vehicle like a snowmobile with, you know, doors and windows. And then you can just, just you plow, can, your, you know. plow your own way to work. Yeah, there you go. But uh, if you want to find more of us, I already said the Twitter at Loose Cannon Show, but we do upload this to everywhere podcasts are because we put it on Anchor and Anchor just takes care of it. So Spotify, Stitcher, any of those RSS feed apps. Uh, We are Loose Cannon Show. I think. (laughs) That's us. That's us. Uh, That's it for this week. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Bye.